How you doing, everybody? Happy Easter, happy Easter. If you just tuned in, I'm Miles McPherson, pastor of the Rock Church, and welcome to Easter. Uh, before I start, I would like to say a word of prayer that God would prepare all of our hearts, and then we're going to get right into the message. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity. Thank you for this day and what it means to us, and I pray that you would clarify the impact and significance of you rising from the dead today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, if you're watching online, please hit the share button and so you can get this message out to as many people as you can. And if you have a Bible, just lift, lift your Bibles up. If you're a visitor, we usually take our Bibles up and we lift it up and say word. So if you have a Bible, on the count of three, say word. One, two, three, say word. Word, lift that up. And turn to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8 in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, second book of the New Testament. Mark chapter 8. I was talking to someone recently and I mentioned that Easter was coming up. And they said to me, so what? Literally, what's the significance? What does that mean for me? Today, I want to talk about the Easter for so what. The for so what of Easter. Listen, COVID-19 is ravaging our world. People are dying. People are sick. And we're talking about Easter. What is the significance? We're going to talk about the Easter for so what. The first so what is, so what is the story? What is Easter? What does it mean? Uh, when someone in the United States and probably around the world gets arrested, they'll serve their time, get out of prison, and after they're out of prison, even though they've done their time, they still carry a prison label. And that prison label will hinder them getting jobs, loans, uh, housing. In some places, they can't vote for a certain period of time. That prison label extends the punishment of their crime. If you tell a lie, someone can give you a label of being a liar. If you've been to AA or NA, you will get the label of being a recovering addict for the rest of your life. I did cocaine for two years, and some people would see me as recovering. That would be my label. These labels, though we do our time, though we get healed, though we get delivered, though we're not doing drugs anymore, we still carry that label all of our life. Now, because all of these things are sins, you get a label in God's eyes as sinner. And here's the problem. When you stand before God after you die, that label is going to be determined whether you go to heaven or hell. The significance of Easter is that God sent his son Jesus to pay the penalty for your sin. He died on the cross for your sin. The penalty of your sin was death. In other words, if you lie, what dies is your relationship. If you do drugs, what dies is your health. If you steal, what dies are your opportunities and your vision and your self-esteem. These are all forms of death in your life. But when you physically die, which is a result of sin, you're going to stand before God as a sinner. And that label will prevent you from going into heaven. So what God did is he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay the death penalty for your sin. Now, the significance of Good Friday is that he died. The significance of Easter is that he rose. Now, why is that important? Because when you die and stand before God, there is going to be a risen, alive Savior that conquered death in your place that can advocate for you and declare that you have been forgiven if you have given your life to him, which we're going to give you an opportunity at the end of this service. So this, this, the Easter story is about a risen Savior that is alive praying for you, knows who you are, and is willing and able to forgive you of your sin. 
That's number one. Well, the second so what is, so what that he rose? So what that he rose? I want you to think of the biggest problem you ever have in your life. The biggest problem. Let's, your girlfriend left you. I and mean, when you were 16, your girlfriend left you, thought the, or your boyfriend left you, you thought that was the end of the world. You wanted to just die. Or you got a zit on your face right before prom. When I was, right before I went to prom, I had a big zit right here in the middle of my head. It was like a unicorn. It was, my, my sister tried to put makeup over it and it was just sticking out like a fist. That at that time was the end of the world. You can't pay your rent. Feed your kids. We have an annual Toys for Joy event where we feed uh, thousands of people and give toys to thousands of people around San Diego. And we, give, we feed people, but we also give them bags of food to take home. And moms will come up to me after and say, thank you. I didn't know how I was going to feed my kids. That is a big problem. Both my parents died of cancer. And I remember when my, my mother called me and told me my father had cancer. My life flashed before my eyes. That was a big problem. So I want you to think about the biggest problem you can imagine you will ever have. And I will tell you I got a bigger one. It is standing before God guilty of your sin. The reason, the significance of Jesus rising from the dead is that he is going to stand before God with you. I want, to re- I want you to read something. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 5, in Matthew chapter 28, verse 5, it was after he died, he was in the tomb, and the women, Mary, and a couple of Marys and a bunch of other women went to the tomb, and it was empty. And then it says, In verse 8, the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen. Come see the place where he lay. And the Bible says he is risen just as he said. If Jesus could rise from the dead, not only can he stand there with you before God, And declare you forgiven, provided you've given your life to him. And declare that you are his. If he could rise from the dead, just as he said, there is nothing else he can't do. In other words, he would truly forgive you. No matter what you have done, he will truly forgive you of all your sin, provided that you repent and give your life to him. He will truly love you. He will truly give you a vision and clarity for your life and show you what your purpose is. When I was 24 years old, I was using cocaine, smoking weed, chasing women, playing football, thinking my life was all about that, but yet I was empty. had no idea why I was on this earth. I knew it wasn't football. I knew football was limited, but there had to be something more. And I know that all of you out there are thinking, there has to be something more to this life, and there is. It's a relationship with the God. And it's not, a, it's not a relationship with God in heaven only. It's a relationship with God right now. He has come to give you life and give you life abundantly here on earth. And April 12th, this day, 36 years ago, 1984, I was laying on my couch right here in San Diego. I had been doing cocaine all night. And I said to God, God, please forgive me of my sin. He gave me vision and clarity for what being in a relationship with him would be like. And on that day, I stopped doing cocaine. And one day, on that day, he changed the landscape of my life forever. If he rose from the dead, he can fix your life no matter how jacked up your life is. I've been to many prisons on many, in many countries throughout this world and talked to many criminals. And guess what? 
God loved them just as much as he loves you and just as much as he loves me. And he is ready and willing to transform your life in an instant. So what that he rose, that he is alive and he is ready to bless you. Number three, number three, so what? So what will you believe? I already told you you need, that you need him to have risen from the dead and died for you, for you to be forgiven. I already told you because he rose, he can do anything in your life. If someone can rise from the dead, what can't they do? Nothing. He can fix your life. He can pay, help pay your bills. He can provide for your needs. But you have to surrender your life to him and let him run your life. When I gave my life to him, I stopped doing cocaine in one day, stopped smoking weed in one day. My girlfriend and I got back together that same day, April 12, 1984. And we've been married ever since that same year to this day. God can do anything. And I know a lot of y'all are sitting in your houses right now. And your life is a mess. You have no idea what you're going to do next week. You have no idea how this COVID-19 is going to impact your life. You may have two months ago had your business going and now it's on the verge of being closed down. And you have no idea what your future is. Your whole world is turned upside down. Let me tell you something. God is still on the throne. I'm not saying he did it, but I'm saying he's the one you have to trust through it. Storms come and storms go. God is the same. So what are you going to believe? Are you going to believe that God loves you, that he's right there in your house right now? He's right there in your bedroom right now. He's right there in your closet with you right now. Why? Because he died and he rose from the dead and he's alive, very much alive. Matter of fact, if you want to go to Israel right now, you can go to the tomb where they buried him. He ain't there. People have been going there for 2,000 years, paying the dude $2. It's probably $40 now to go in and look in an empty cave. And, and, the, and the guy who's, who's a superintendent of the cave, he's taking the money. And people go in there and they look, and he ain't there. And he goes, I told you, for 2,000 years, he is alive. And he loves you. And he knows you. So what are you going to believe? What are you going to believe? I was at the a gang conference speaking years ago here in San Diego. And they had educators speaking. They had law enforcement speaking. They had business entrepreneurs speaking to all these kids. And I represented the faith community. And I know, I know a lot of people say, well, I'm not a person of faith. Well, yes, you are. <laughs> I'll tell you why you are in a minute. But so I was representing the faith community. So all these people went up, law enforcement went up, the government went up, Business people went up, educators went up, entrepreneurs went up. And then when I got up to speak, I said, look, before I speak, I just want to introduce myself. My name is Miles McPherson, pastor of the church and Rock Church and play for the charges, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I said, and I represent the faith community. But let me be clear. All of us in here are people of faith. The educators have faith in education. That's great. Entrepreneurs have faith in business and money. That's great. Law enforcement has faith in, in law enforcement, that's great. I happen to represent faith in God. Not that they don't represent, have faith in God, but I'm here to talk about how faith in God can change your life. You are a person of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Every time you inhale, you have faith. You are exercising faith that there's something you have never seen in your whole life that's going to keep you alive. Every time you don't jump off the roof of your house, <laughs> you have faith that there's something called gravity that you've never seen that will take you to the ground and kill you or break your leg, depending on how high your house is. And every time you fall in love, 
you have faith that the person you give your heart to won't break it. But you don't have a whole lot of evidence. It's faith. Every single one of us is a person of faith. After Jesus died and rose from the dead, his disciples were telling the other disciples they had seen him. And Thomas said, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. And in John chapter 20, verse 27, he said to Thomas, as a matter of fact, the scene was hilarious. They were in the house. And they had all the doors closed and windows closed. And Thomas was talking trash how I got to see it myself. If Jesus, if he don't come and I don't touch his body and touch the nail prints in his hand, I ain't going to believe that he rose from the dead. And some of you may be like that. You want to see it for yourself. Um, don't wait too long. God's giving you enough proof that I'll talk about it in a minute. But here's Thomas talking all this trash about Jesus, who he was with for three years. And he's talking all this trash. And Jesus, who I think sometimes is so hilarious, he walks through the wall. The Bible says the doors were closed. And he just, shoo, right through the wall, went right up to Thomas. And it says, reach your finger here and look at my hands. And reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but be believing. Thomas, you see me walk on water. You see me raise the dead. You see me cast out demons. You see me heal the blind, the mute, the deaf, the crippled. You've seen all that with your hands, with your own eyes, and you can't believe that I would rise from the dead when I said I would after three days. He rose from the dead. I want to encourage you, don't be unbelieving. Be believing. Now, you may be saying, you know, if Jesus showed up to me, maybe I believe. Now, I don't know you but I do know that God has given us plenty of evidence that he is real. And if you thought about your life, the most difficult times you've been through, the times you cried out to God, the times you didn't know how you were going to make it, and you made it. Money showed up to your door. Someone offered you a job. Somebody called you up, texted you, or you just woke up with a little more strength than the day before. And that God has gotten you through. God is saying, if God did that when you weren't believing, imagine how much he would do if you believed and you pursued him and you chased him and said, Lord, I surrender my life to him. So what is the story? That he rose from the dead. He died and rose from the dead. So what did he rose? He stands alive, able to advocate for you transform your life, give you hope and vision, strength and power that you've never had. And number four, and number three, what are you going to believe? Are you going to trust him? And then lastly, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do? If you know that he died for you and rose from the dead and that he is alive, able to save you, not only save you from hell, and that's a real place, by the way, As a matter of fact, if you've ever been hung over and you wake up, and I, I've, I've been hung over from many different things, and you feel like, man, I'm in hell. No, you ain't. However, it's a warning. That's just a little taste of hell. You ever have your heart broke? It's a little taste of hell. Hell is being in a place where none of the goodness of God exists. You do not want to go there. 
And the penalty of our sin today gives us little hints of what eternity away from God would be. So what are you going to do? Let me tell you something. All behavior is purposeful. Everything you do has a purpose. I put the suit on today because I thought it looked good. Now, it may not to you, but that's what I thought. That's what my wife thought. What you eat, you do because you believe something. It's going to give you pleasure in your mouth. It's going to make you feel good. Who you hang out with, you do it for a purpose. Everything you do is based on what you believe. So you have two choices. You're either going to say, Jesus, I give my life to you because I trust you. Or you're going to say, Jesus, I'm not going to give my life to you because I don't trust you. But you can't be in the middle. It's one or the other. Now, in a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to ask Jesus into your heart to be your Savior. It is a relationship. The Bible says that God made all people in the image of God. All people, 100%. And the reason he made us in his image is because he wanted to live inside of us and have relationship with us. In other words, you make a glove in the image of the hand. The hand comes first, the glove comes second. And you make the glove so the hand can go in the glove. God made us in his image so he can live inside of us and have relationship with us. He did not make us so we could go to church or say we believe in this. He made us in his image so we can have relationship. Just like you have a baby so you can have relationship. But our sin has pushed God away. And then Jesus came and said, I'm going to die to pay for our sin. And if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised you from the dead, you'll establish a relationship with God. I want you to say, read something to you. Mark chapter 14, 1 verse 14. After John was put in prison, Jesus came preaching the gospel of the kingdom, saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. What are you going to do? Are you going to repent and believe in the gospel? It means good news that God loves you, that he died and rose from the dead for you. There was a guy who walked across uh, the Niagara Falls on a tightrope, long wire. It took him three hours to walk across this wire across the Niagara Falls. Got to the other side. He jumped up on the wire put a wheelbarrow on the wire, filled the wheelbarrow with dirt, and he looked at the crowd and said, do you believe I could take this wheelbarrow across this wire and not drop any dirt? And the crowd said, yes, I believe in you. We believe, we believe. And he asked the crowd, do you believe? They said, we believe. He dumped the dirt out. He looked at this little boy. He says, if you said you believed, I want you to get in and go with me. Your behavior is determined by what you believe. If you're going to give your life to Jesus, it's about getting in that wheelbarrow and saying, Lord, I trust you. God has given you opportunity to do everything you've done in your life. You've made those choices. But now he's given you an opportunity to surrender your life to him and get in the wheelbarrow. Simply by admitting that you're a sinner. All of us have sinned. And that the penalty of sin is death. We all die. By believing that Jesus Christ is Lord, he died and rose from the dead. 
and then confessing with our mouth, Jesus, Lord, ask him to forgive you. In a minute, I'm going to ask you to repeat a prayer to ask Christ to be your Savior. And just understand this. There's no magic in the prayer. It's simply you stating to God that you understand the parameters of your relationship with him and that you are asking him by faith to forgive you and establish a relationship with him. It's like when people get married, they say vows at the altar. The vows don't have any magic. And actually, they have no legal authority at all. It's really the pastor signing the, the, the certificate. But those vows are the couple stating to the world, here's what we agree to. So by faith, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And a prayer is simply you communicating with God. That you're going to tell God, God, I'm wrong, you're right. I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died and rose from the dead. I believe Easter is real. And I confess, A, B, C. I admit, I believe, and I confess or agree to surrender myself to you, to get in that wheelbarrow and confess my sins to you and to establish a relationship. So I'm going to ask all of you, Easter 2020, bow your heads and close your eyes. And I just want you to think about your life, your family, your mistakes and your victories. But most of all, I want you to think about your destiny. You are going to die at some point and you don't know when it's going to happen. But Jesus died, rose from the dead, and he has been praying for you. The Bible says in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, that he has been praying for us, that he lives to make intercession on our behalf. Yes, he knows you and loves you. And he's been waiting for this moment all your life. So if you would like to get into that wheelbarrow and surrender your life to Jesus, your business, your family, your pain, your disease, your illness, and everything to him. And allow him to guide and direct your life. I want you to pray this prayer with me, but pray knowing by faith that he is listening to you, that he loves you, he's not mad at you, and he wants to forgive you. He wants to have a relationship with you. So in the privacy of your heart, by faith, Pray this prayer with me. Pray, dear God, I admit that I am a sinner and that the penalty of my sin is wrong. I believe Jesus is Lord, that he died for my sin and that he rose from the dead. I confess my sins to God. I surrender my life to Jesus. Jesus, please fill me with the Spirit of God. I want to be born all over again. Born of the Spirit of God. Lord, I'm getting in the wheelbarrow. And I'm surrendering my life to you. 
thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give a hand to all those people out there who prayed that prayer. God bless you. God bless you. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, if you're on the Rock website, please hit the raise hand button. We want to pray for you. Um, but if you're on your phone, you're watching on television, just text the word SAVE to 52525. Text SAVE to 52525, and we want to get in touch with you. We want to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Remember, this is not a religion. It's a relationship that you have to develop just like any other person. you got to talk to God, read the Bible, hang out with people who walk with God so you can see what walking with God looks like. You're not going to find a perfect person, but hopefully you'll find someone who's one step ahead of you. God bless you. If we can ever do anything for you here at The Rock, we'd love to help you. There are churches all over the, the world that are great. So God bless you. I know he's going to do a great thing in your life.